Hey, before we get started with today's episode, I just want to quickly let you know that if you DM me the word audit on Instagram, that's at Ken Westgar, we'll do a quick 15-minute audit of your launch. And by the end of the audit, you'll know exactly where to put your focus in order to grow and scale your next launch. So like I said, DM me the word audit on Instagram, and I'll talk to you soon. You're listening to the Oh My God, I'm Launching Podcast, episode 38. Today's guest is Reuven Lerner, and he is a Python expert. He teaches uh, companies uh, of relatively big sizes and uh, freelancers to learn the coding language Python. Not something I'm really familiar with, but I know that that is something that's well used in the coding world. And uh, we kind of discovered that one of his main things is to ask his audience of what they want when it comes to different products or, you know, how things should be served. So yeah, let's dig into it. Have you launched your online course with great success? Or maybe you launched totally tank and you just want to curl up and cry. Well, it really doesn't matter. Hi, my name is Ken Westgar and I'll help online course creators and membership site owners creating the most fun and profitable launches without having to go it alone. In this podcast, we talk about all kinds of launches. You'll get tons of valuable insights and fun stories that highlights the dramatic ups, downs, failures, and success that comes from being in launch mode. This is the Oh My God, I'm Launching podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Oh My God, I'm Launching podcast. Uh, today, I have my friend Ruven with me, and we actually met uh, at a conference in uh, Sweden, actually, a couple of years ago. Indeed. Yeah, that was fun. How are you, man? That was so, so much fun. It is great. Great to see you. Yeah. Great to be with you here. That was actually a great thing to be on because it was just like 60 people or something like that. And it was really small and intimate and we got to know pretty much everybody in terms of, you know, going to this huge conference where you have 600,000 people. It was both personally really rewarding and fun and professionally, I learned a ton over that weekend yeah no, it, was, it was phenomenal and, and, and it gave me a good excuse to go to sweden yeah. so like and, hey and it was a spa <laughs> as well so <laughs> <laughs> oh yes yeah such torture such torture <laughs> yeah but um you are in a quite different uh, niche than a lot of people you teach python the coding language right so i mean i've been self-employed since about 1995 had my own consulting business, and I've gone through a few different sort of changes over the years. But originally, I was doing a lot of programming and system administration for people using open source software, using the Perl language and Linux software. And at some point, I was doing like programming projects for companies. Mm -hmm. And at some point, companies started asking me, instead of developing the software, to teach their people how to do the software. And that's when I sort of got the, the, for the training bug at first. Mm -hmm. And so a number of years later, I guess it was probably 10 years ago already, I was interested in sort of specializing, not doing everything for everyone. Yeah. And someone suggested I do full-time training. And that led me to be a full-time Python trainer. So nowadays, well, I guess not nowadays when we're all at home, <laughs> but normal days <laughs> until like a month or two ago, every day I was in a different city, different country, yeah. different company, teaching Python courses. And I offer about, 10 different courses, two companies. Mm -hmm. So that's like my day job, as it were. Yeah. But over the last two or three years, I've started to do more and more B2C selling, and even B2B of online courses, meaning 
a variety of different things. Mostly, you can divide it in half, like video courses that are the standard internet recorded courses. You download it, you watch it whenever you want. Mm -hmm. And also some email courses for people to practice their Python programming skills. And along the way, I also have a mailing list that I email every week with a free newsletter about Python programming that currently has about 15 or 16,000 subscribers. That's a nice size list, though. Yeah, um, it's, it's like... You know, years ago, when I started the list, I was so excited. I got 200 people. I got 300 people. Well, you got to start somewhere, um, though. You know what? Everybody's <laughs> got to start somewhere. And and the, I mean, basically, I see now it takes time. It takes time. It takes effort. Mm-hmm. I've tried all sorts of different techniques for building up my list. Some of them have worked spectacularly well. Mm-hmm. Like I just launched a, like a, a free course where I call Python for non-programmers. What do you know? Lots of people are flocking to that and signing up and then they'll get on my list. Mm-hmm. And some of them work spectacularly poorly, like <laughs> advertising on Reddit, where I left the comments on and no one actually signed up for anything, but people did use the opportunity to teach me all sorts of interesting curse words in various <laughs> language, languages and mock my appearance and so on and so forth. So you win some, you lose some. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, yeah, okay. So you started out teaching in person. Well, you still do that, right? I still do that. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Oh, well, not now. Like we said, not now, obviously. Right. <laughs> well, I've tried. I'll tell you, I actually do teach online live courses, uh, yeah. but those are for businesses. Mm-hmm. So like even for the last few years, once or twice a month, I'll do a course on WebEx or on Zoom for a company. And that's like an opportunity now, but that's again, like the B2B sector. Yeah. B2C for now, it's still the recorded video courses. Although I'm thinking of doing some live ones there too. We'll, we'll see if I can figure out how to do that. Yeah. When you say B2C though, it, that's like people who... Are wanting to be programmers and wanting to learn about the programming language Python in particular, or freelancers, right. or I don't know. Exactly, exactly. It's every so often I'll have someone who works for a company and they say, "Oh, I'd like to sign up five people for my company for this." Mm-hmm. But I would say that's the minority. The majority is people who want to sign up for themselves either because they're freelancers and want to improve their skills or they work for a company and they have a training budget that they can use and apply toward some sort of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, this definitely fits the bill. Yeah. So I have a, a very, and, and then I have people, right, who don't know programming at all and want to sign up because they realize there's a skill that can really get them ahead in their careers. Mm-hmm. So how did you come up with, you know, making that transition from working with companies in big scale to now I'm going to just focus on, or not just, but uh, focus on, you know, teaching online courses or through online courses. So it was this long process of, I guess it was already like five, six years ago when I would talk to my students after class Mm -hmm. and they would say, okay, we've been through your intro Python class that was four days long. There's still a gap between taking a class and being able to use it in actual day-to-day work. It doesn't mean it's useless, mm-hmm. but they're still going to have to look things up and remember it's not totally fluent. Yeah. So they said, where can we find exercises that will improve our abilities? And I said, oh, maybe I could write a book of exercises. And that was my first online product, which was what I called Practice Makes Python, okay. which was uh, 50 exercises to improve your Python skills. And so I learned a lot of lessons publishing that book myself. You know, I, I sold some copies. Was it a hardcover book or was it just an ebook? No, no, no. No, it was just an ebook. Yeah, okay. Just an ebook, just an uh, ebook. PDF download. Yeah. I think you could also download like two other formats, whether Mobi and something else. Yeah. Whatever, whatever the system <laughs> spat out, that's what I made available to people. Go enjoy. Yeah. The people who got it liked it, but my marketing was not so hot. Mm-hmm. And my list at that point was really like a few hundred people. 
And Manning Publishers, a big computer bu- publishing company, emailed me and they said, oh, we see your book here. We actually really like it. Would you be interested in publishing it through us? Mm. And I said, no way. I am publishing this on my own and I am a marketing genius and I will make tons of cash doing this. <laughs> so about a year and a half ago, I emailed Manning and said, you know how you had that offer to publish my book? <laughs> I think you're actually better at this than I am. How about we join forces? Mm-hmm. And so literally this week, last week, I put the final touches on the edits. I'll get like the last proofs and look at them. Mm-hmm. And it should be published as a real book in addition to as an ebook wow. within the next month or so. So by like late April, early May. And already the online preview edition has sold four times, five times as many copies as I sold total over five years. So they are actually good at what they do and they (laughs) help me to improve the product quite a bit. Yeah, But But I used that opportunity to start putting together online course. That was my first taste of, oh, I could publish things and sell Mm -hmm. them. And so I've continued ever since, little by little, do more and more. But is Python evolving a lot so it kind of changes or is it quite, you know, status the same with little changes? Right. So that is part of my like secret, which is most of my courses deal with the core of the language, which changes very little, if at all. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really have to update those courses very much. Yeah. Whereas if I were doing like, you know, the latest newfangled uh, web development, something or other, I'd have to change it every two months. And I, I don't have time <laughs> for that. Yeah. That would require a lot of work. Yeah. I can understand that. So you published, well, yeah, you published a book on your own. Now you decided to put that away, which is great. Obviously, yeah, it works. Uh, what was your next product that you decided that you want to go with? Because you have a lot of products. Yeah. <laughs> so the next one was I use a lot of what are called regular expressions, which are these very, very hard to read, very, very hard to write terse descriptions of patterns in text. Mm. So find, the, find me in a log from a server every error message that starts with a five is three digits long and does not end with a one and is preceded by the following username, right? So it's, it's sort of easy to describe roughly for people. Putting that into a computer program is very hard. And so regular expressions make it possible to describe these patterns. So I put together, I figured, oh, well, my first book was great, right? Not understanding what numbers were actually buying it. So I said, I'll put together a second book. So I call that practice makes regex, regex being like the shorthand for regular expressions. And that sold terribly. <laughs> like, like, like if the first book sold poorly, second one sold terribly. And I discovered it's because people hate regular expressions. Okay. Hate, hate, hate them. The people who need them love them. And so I did sell a few copies. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I probably sold like 100, 200 copies of it so far. So it's not like it's a nothing. But like when I would even advertise it on Facebook and give away parts of it for free, mm-hmm. the comments would be, why would I want to spend my time learning such a terrible, stupid thing? Or how useless it is. So again, like it's a product. I'm happy with a product, but I hadn't really done enough investigation to the market to see, do people want to learn this? Mm-hmm. And when Manny actually asked me, what should the second book in our series be of exercises? I said, they said, maybe regular expressions. I said, no, do not do this if you want to have customers. Okay. Like that would be a bad idea. Let's find something a little more, uh, more business savvy here. Okay. <laughs> so you decided to release two books, actually. When did you actually start to create a online course? Right. So, so those two books, and by the way, like I recorded videos for each of those okay. books as well. So, so for each of those, the exercises, so you can get like the, the basic edition with just the book or the, I don't know, expanded edition, whatever right. I call it, which includes videos with, of screencasts of me solving it. And then that's the cost more. And mm-hmm. some people have bought that, but not a lot. So then I said, well, maybe I could offer uh, open enrollment courses online 
for the same sort of training that I give at companies. And I want to do it live because then I can interact with people. I can talk to people. Mm-hmm. So I guess it was like three years ago already that I did that. Okay. And that went terribly. I had like three people sign up, four people sign up for them. And it turns out that doing live, oh, I know, I know. And then I decided to do some survey of my, my mailing list. Mm-hmm. What would you like to learn? Like, what should I do as live courses yeah. next? And at the last moment, before like sending off the survey, I changed one of the questions to say, what time of day would be good for you? I gave like days and, uh, days and uh, times. Mm-hmm. And at the end, I said, I don't want live courses. I want recorded courses. 80% of my list said they want recorded courses mm-hmm. because the time zone just didn't always work out for them. The day yeah. went to work, they're working. And so that set me on the path to starting to do some recorded courses. Mm-hmm. And that was partly my then deciding to do that. And partly I have a few corporate clients where they've decided to do what's called like flipped classroom or blended learning where people watch videos and then I'm there just for sort of mentoring questions, exercises. Right. So one of my corporate clients especially said, we would love to have you do your Python courses in that manner. How fast can you get these things ready with recordings? Mm-hmm. So I then started recording a lot and those have been selling, selling pretty well. Not amazingly, not gangbusters, but like it's, it's, it's a good start and a good feeling. Yeah, exactly. So obviously the key point here that you learned is ask your audience, what do they want? Instead of just putting something out out there. Oh my God. And I had done that in the past, but this time I was like, as with everything, you get better. Mm-hmm. And they are so appreciative. Like, I mean, I put out a survey probably about two, three months ago. What are people interested in learning? Mm-hmm. This is before another one of my corporate clients said, oh, we want to record some more things. And so people were very happy to answer the survey, tell me what they want. And I have people emailing me saying, so I filled out your survey two months ago mm-hmm. and I really want a course in web development. When will that be ready? So they, they feel a part of this and they're anticipating and excited about it. Uh, which gets me excited about it too, assuming I have time to do all the things that, that people are interested in. Mm-hmm. But but it, it's it's great to get feedback like that and have people excited about it. Yeah, I think that's really important that you get that feedback because otherwise you will be just continue making something and like you said, you probably end up launching it and it wouldn't sell as well as you hoped for. Obviously. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So online courses, how many of them do you have by now? So I now have, I think, 10 different video courses ranging in length from three hours to 12 hours. Wow. That 12-hour course is like a monster. Uh, <laughs> but basically, it's about a, a, a software package called Pandas that sort of tries to be Excel inside of the Python language. Okay. And if you imagine all the functionality that Excel has, I mean, I get to the tip, tippy tip of the iceberg there, and yet it still is 12 hours. I'm never making another course that long again. Mm-hmm. But like, okay, that's, that's the way it ended up being. So those are most of my courses, the video ones. I'm sorry, you were yeah, going to say no, something. No, I'm just wondering if you have some kind of uh, ascension model in terms of, you know, are you introducing some products early on that are low cost, easy to get into, and then kind of upselling them on something bigger as, you know, they've been on your email list longer or you interact with them more over time? To some degree. I mean, I have two free courses and I have a lot of free email courses that people get. Mm-hmm. So it sort of goes from free to... And then I guess the courses are sort of leveled where I have more introductory ones and more advanced ones. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think there's like a pricing process where people go from low cost to higher cost. Mm -hmm. Rather, it's like what subject is of interest to you and most useful to you. 
and and for a while you just get like this long list of courses and i changed it about a month ago where you would first see the categories mm-hmm. then you see oh i'm interested in basic i'm interested in advanced i'm interested in data science i'm interested in weekly python exercise and and then when you buy one of these podia the platform that i use allows you to state upsells okay. so if you buy something i can then say oh Someone might, who buys, I don't know, intro objects might also be interested in comprehensions and functions so they can buy those and they get an automatic discount if they do it right away. Mm-hmm. So I try to do a little bit of that, but it's not a clear progression. Yeah. So you have just like all the courses and it's not really like they can buy it separately. There's not like a big signature course or anything like that. It's just, I, I assume that maybe these right. people who learn Python is very clear on what they want to learn instead of just, I want to learn everything about Python, but it's it's more like, I want to learn this specific thing. Is that true? Well, you have different people, right? So you have the people who say, I want to learn everything. And I have people who definitely have gone through and like, click, 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 (laughs) click. So so every so often, it happens only once every few months, but boy, I don't know. I had someone just in a corporate course that I gave uh, a week or two ago. And he asked me, you know, do you have anything available online? I said, well, you know, I probably don't talk yeah, about my corporate courses. Something. But like, if, if you ask, right, you go there. And he looked at the list while we were on the class. And he said, okay, my niece is studying computer science. I'm buying her all of your courses because they will really help her. Mm-hmm. Now, meanwhile, he hasn't done that. But like, I'm not blaming him. Hopefully at some point, like he'll talk to his niece to check with her first. Okay. But there are people who see this as an opportunity to get like a huge amount of content, content in one library. Mm-hmm. Most of them, though, will buy like one or two. And then they'll come back a few months later and get a few others because they keep getting that content from me. My mailing list is uh, evergreen. Mm-hmm. So when you get on the list, you get issue one, then issue two, then issue three. It comes out on Mondays. Okay. And I now have more than two years worth of content. So you will now get, I mean, even if like I write nothing more ever, the people who join today will get two years of continuous content every Monday. Wow. And then I send, in addition, like broadcasts when I'm launching a product or if there's something special going on. Yeah. So people are sort of attuned to getting stuff from me, except for like the most veteran people on the list who know that now I'm doing it like every two or three weeks, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes more often, sometimes less often, but they still like, they know who I am and they're generally happy to get that, that sort of email. Yeah. But that's a natural progression though. You kind of stay on the list and you get something you know, weekly. And then as you've kind of gone through that, it's more natural to kind of just getting the more interesting new stuff that's happening. And that's obviously not every week anymore. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Let's talk about a little bit about how you kind of launched all of these courses and stuff like that. Obviously, the published book didn't go so well as it will now. Obviously, as you learned that, you know, not doing everything on your own is a good thing. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But uh, let's just talk about kind of the first launches that you did and how you, how you kind of just, uh, yeah, pull them off. So the way that I would do launches at the beginning is not that different from how I do launches now for weekly Python exercise, although I think the writing has gotten a little better. I really should like go back. I, I don't know, maybe I should, should or should go back and like be horrified by what I wrote. <laughs> but the way it worked was I said, okay, I know it's going to take a few messages for this to happen. I think with the original book practice makes python i think that i like i said i'm still finishing this up if you want to buy buy sort of early mm-hmm. pre-release you can do that now and you'll get updates and i do remember that i sent a few different messages there like i'm preparing this book sort of warm people up mm-hmm. and then a few days later okay i'm going to be launching another two days and then finally okay the day has come you can get it for this discount until xyz day and after that it was still available but it was available you know at the the normal price mm-hmm. um, and that's 
not atypical for how I'll launch either a new course or especially weekly Python exercise now. I'll have a few messages spaced out. I'll say the deadline for signing up either, I've tried a few things with weekly Python exercise especially. Like sometimes I'll say there's an early bird price and if you don't after that, then there's a regular price. And sometimes I'll just say, okay, like, you know, signups are until such and such a date. I've been sort of going back and forth on how to do that, especially since people can sort of sign up on a Black Friday sale beforehand. Mm-hmm. And the response is almost uniformly the same. And I've seen this over the years now, and I'm sure you've seen this too. Basically, when you send out that message saying, the deadline is happening now. And, and by the way, I should mention, I use Drip. Um, yeah. And Drip has this great, I don't know if other systems do this too, but you can send it to people at a particular hour in their time zone. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I send like, you know, the initial message, I don't know, 9 a.m., 10 a.m. or whatever, it'll be on like Thursday or Friday. And I'll say, you know, coming soon. And then maybe like the next Monday, I, I, this is all very approximate. I sort of switched around all the time. And then the next Monday or Tuesday, I'll say, okay, like it's almost available. And then like Wednesday, I'll say, all right, you know, now's the deadline. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll do the Python exercise. I would say like Monday's the deadline. And I send the, a last message to them saying at like 3 p.m. their time. And at 3 p.m. their time, they get a message saying, today is the last day. Like you've only got a few hours left to sign up for this. Now they have no way of knowing, unless they listen to your podcast here, they have no way of knowing that everyone is getting at their 3 p.m. Right. So it's actually like 24 different hours at 3 p.m. But they're like, oh, wait, I better do that. And of course, because I do everything at the last minute, I don't really close the gates at that hour, okay. I give them another week or so to sign up if they want. And sure enough, like clockwork, people sign up based on that high pressure. Mm-hmm. And then people sign up a few days later and send me this incredibly apologetic email. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it still okay to sign up? I really want to. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. You're, you're in. Not a problem. So that so it's typically somewhere between, I'm guessing, three or four messages with the ultimate one coming like that day of the deadline that I say for signing up. Now, the video courses don't really have a deadline. So the launches have been much softer. They've been much just sort of, hey, I've got this new thing available. And that might be a mistake as well. But I've definitely (laughs) got two sort of, because because two different kinds of approaches. They'll let you talk. (laughs) I'm sure you have lots of ideas there. Like, Weekly Python exercise isn't done in cohorts. So you must sign up by a certain day to join the people for that cohort. Mm -hmm. I've got six of them that I run a year with different subjects. The video courses, join when you want. It'll always be available. Mm -hmm. And so I've, I've put less pressure on people to sign up. And as a result, people have felt less pressure to sign up and they don't really do it on, on that regular basis unless they discover it more or less. Yeah. So the video course is the evergreen course that you got running at all times. Basically. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Have you ever thought about just pulling everything together as a membership maybe? Why don't you mention that? Um, <laughs> I've thought of, no, it's a, it's a great idea. And I've thought about it on occasion, yeah. but I felt like it would be a little too much pressure for me. Mm-hmm. Meaning if I give people a membership, then that's going to pressure me to come up with new content all the time. And I'll feel guilty if I don't come up with new stuff. Mm-hmm. Now you could argue, well, no, they're getting like timed out. It's like renting a, like renting a car, yeah. right? You can use it a lot. You can use it a little at the end of the time. Like that's it. Should, should, should I consider that? Should I say like, here's my all you can eat? I, like, I'm totally open to it. Should I say like, here's my all you can eat plan for all the video courses? Mm-hmm. I like get a membership and it would not, I don't think include weekly Python exercise just because that would be too messy to, to include. Mm-hmm. Has that worked for people? Well, you know, membership is really hot these days and you see huge companies turning their whole system into a membership. And obviously um, people like membership in some kind of way. Um, not saying that is a good fit for everybody, obviously, but uh, just by the sound of everything that it could be potentially something for you as well, obviously. But 
I think we should be careful to think that, you know, uh, we have to deliver something often and we have to over deliver it all times because what I've heard is people that have membership, we tend to think that we have to give them something, you know, every single day and there's got to be so much content, blah, blah, blah. But we tend to overwhelm our members instead by throwing everything at them at all times. In general, they probably have, you know, you have a huge catalog of all these things that you can offer and they got all the time to go into that, look over it, go through it again and again. And you basically just have to show up every once in a while to make sure that you stay on top of everything. And then you, you know, push out a new video course or something like that, but it doesn't really have to be all that that you think that you have to do. Hmm. I guess I can also offer, and I do this with weekly Python exercise now, like monthly office hours. Mm-hmm. That, like, yeah. I mean, it, it costs me nothing. It, it, and, you know, people show up, they ask whatever questions they want. Exactly. The odds are pretty good that I can answer them well. Mm-hmm. And they'll feel like, oh, this is something special that I've got access to. Yeah, exactly. I've got a Discord server, so I can give them access there and let them ask questions and participate. That is absolutely one piece of content, which doesn't, like you said, doesn't cost you everything at all. And that's just one piece of content. Yeah. So you can make it really easy for yourself. And it doesn't have to be you showing up every time either. Or you can just, you know, batch things and make it easier for yourself. So you don't have to sit down every single week to do something. Maybe you spend a day, batch whole new set, just like you do with your email list, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's definitely one way to do it. I'm not saying that that is what you should be doing, but uh, yeah, obviously. Interesting. Interesting idea. Yeah, like I, I'll tell you, especially with my corporate clients, I've thought about offering them like membership stuff that, you know, just, just because it'll make it easier for them also mm-hmm. that if they want access to my catalog, instead of saying, well, you can buy this, you can buy this and you can buy this saying flat fee per person, you're a 100 person company. I mean, I, I should be so lucky, right? 100 person <laughs> company times X per year, yeah. bam. And then, uh, you know, when things get better, I can actually go somewhere on vacation, you know, the, to use the metaphor. Interesting. Interesting. I definitely need to think about that more. Mm-hmm. I, I've been edging closer and closer toward it. And yet I just haven't felt confident enough to do it because of the whole new content thing, because mm-hmm. I really did feel, but then again, just like, so um, one of my clients where they, they bought the, the blended course, where they bought the recorded course, then had me come in. So it's a Git course. And the Git course has nine and a half hours of video. Wow. So I said, great, we will do this in two days, eight hours a day, mm-hmm. minus lunch, minus breaks, everything. There was no way on God's great earth people were going to get through it. And, and because I was sitting there watching them, it was really weird. Like I was watching them watching me. I was like my <laughs> own TA. But it kind of worked. But I saw that a nine-hour course, mm-hmm. we easily took three days to get through that. Yeah. Meaning <laughs> like even a three-hour course is a full day or more of content. Mm-hmm. And then people want to review it. Yeah. So if I have, let's call it you know, 30 hours of course material, mm-hmm that's basically a month worth of solid learning there if they do absolutely nothing else. Yeah, exactly. All right. You're really convincing me here or, I'm, or you're helping me to convince myself. <laughs> Either way, that's like, that's good. That's good. Well, at least I have something to explore now. Uh, but how did you, have you changed anything uh, when you started to, well, you launched the first course and then now you're kind of getting more experience with doing the launches. Have you changed anything? I think I've gotten better at the sort of customer-centric writing. I've been reading a bit about copywriting. I've been learning about how to do it better and to really sort of not say, my course is great. My course is about me. I'm a brilliant teacher. 
me, 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 yeah. but more along the lines of, as you described, like in your workshop and your slides, like what is the benefit? Get them to really be passionate and desire it. Give them some, some very tangible benefits they'll have afterwards mm-hmm. as well. Like, oh, after I take your course, I'll be able to do X, Y, and Z. And also defining who this is good for. Because yeah. I'm always getting, oh, I've been using Python for three months. Is this really good for me? Mm-hmm. And so first of all, I put it in the marketing, like who it's good for and what you'll be able to do. But then I also can, you can just quote it back to them or just like copy and paste or say roughly the same thing. And I feel more confident. Like I can say, no, this is not okay for you, but uh, you should try X, Y, Z instead. Yeah. Or I'll be coming out with something that's appropriate for you later on. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are so appreciative of that. Yeah. You know, they really, they, and even if they don't buy something now, they remember it and, and, and want to use it later. But that's like so important, exactly what you said, right? That, that not everything is tailored to everyone. So you have something that's very specific for someone who's early on, and then you have something really specific for those who are more advanced. And we got to make sure that we, hit those people in the right spots with the right course that they actually need is absolutely true. Mm. Absolutely. absolutely. So how do you, what do you have any plans going in the future to change things up or are you just, uh, well, obviously now we've talked about membership, so <laughs> you might be doing that. Right. But- the membership, is a, membership is definitely an interesting idea, but like, look, weekly Python exercise, I really see as like my, my, crown jewel mm-hmm. it's the thing that people can it's like super low cost i think so yeah it's like a hundred dollars for 15 weeks you get 15 exercises like both the question and the solution and the forum and the office hours and people consistently say wow i learned so much from this mm-hmm. so i've gotten better like i've improved the sales page it now includes all sorts of testimonials it's much punchier it's easier to read and now it's a matter of like getting the word out to more people mm-hmm. especially i'd like to think and, and here I might be wrong, but I like to think even some corporations where they say, oh, this is a good thing, like a cheap enough for us to do for our team. It only takes maybe an hour a week. This would improve their code. And the people who have been through it, I, I let people retake it if they want, because the same content. So the people who were, for example, in my A1, my like first beginner's course, yeah. are now taking it a second time or third time. And they're comparing the code between what they wrote last year and this year. And they say, wow, this mm-hmm. course made all the difference. Look at how much I've improved. Mm-hmm. So they love it, right? So I feel like... I've somehow got to get that word out to people. Like, you will improve. You will be able to do more in less time. Mm-hmm. Your code will be more maintainable. It's good for you. It's good for your career. It's good for your company. And yet, I feel like a little stuck there. Mm-hmm. So my plan is try to get better at it. Try to get the word out more. Try to get more people on my mailing list. And it is true that as my mailing list has grown, my sales have, my sales have gone up. Mm-hmm. So even if the percentage is staying roughly the same, you know, just sort of the law of numbers will work there. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. Because I keep, as I said to you earlier, like I keep feeling like everyone, everyone should realize how great this is, right? Why aren't they buying it? Which is like the classic thing for an online entrepreneur to say. Mm-hmm. So I, I've, I've got to figure out exactly what and how I can do, do that better. Yeah. Well, you obviously have the audience, I would say, and you definitely showed us an authority in your field. I don't know if there's much competition in your field. Is there anybody else who's doing the same thing or... So sort of, I mean, in terms of Python training, there are a bunch of people doing it, but not a lot. Mm-hmm. And like, certainly, you know, I've spoken now at international conferences, I'm getting better known. Mm-hmm. And right now, like, you know, in the, the days of Corona, I think I have an opportunity now to sort of enhance my, my authority online even more mm-hmm. where people who are like, Oh, I might've heard of this guy. Now's the time to like strike, get my name out more and more people on my mailing list. So that when someone thinks about doing training, oh, well, we can bring them in or we can do it online, sort of yeah. depending on what their circumstances are. Yeah. 
there are two other people, two, like, two other groups of people doing uh, exercise courses, sort of like with the Python exercise. I have to know and be friends with them. It's like this funny little world <laughs> in the Python space. Yeah. And each of us has our own take on it. And people have said, I've taken all of them and we can see your personalities. We can see your interests mm-hmm. come out, each of them. And like everyone has their own strengths and weaknesses, which is, which is fine with me. So direct competitors, not exactly, but I think it's even more like uh, um, complementary competitors, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. But it's interesting that you said that, you know, they look at your personality and that's kind of what pulling them towards you because yes. obviously it's, like you said, you know, you can have a lot of different people in the same niche and, you know, it comes down to if they like you as a person. So you need to bring you into the whole mix when you're trying to launch something or trying to just create something, obviously. 100%, 100%. On occasion, I probably should go back to doing this. I've done uh, free webinars when I've been launching a new weekly Python exercise cohort. And people show up just to sort of see what I'm like and, you know, mm-hmm. personality and how I answer questions. People said to me, because sometimes I'll, I'll email everyone who clicked on the link and I'll say, why did you sign up and why did you not sign up? Mm-hmm. And, the, and uh, on a few occasions, people said, I signed up because you emailed me back and you admitted you were wrong or you appreciated what I was writing. Like, like the fact that you gave me that personal attention mm-hmm. or the fact that you answered my question in the webinar, wow, that really changed everything. Yeah. Uh, the people who didn't, often it was because of timing, they're busy, right? Sometimes price, sometimes it's not appropriate for their level, all, all sorts of possibilities. Like yeah. you, can't, you can't win with everyone. That's the nice thing about having a product. Yeah, and price and time is usually the most common ones that you really can't address uh, necessarily to accommodate every single one so yeah just gotta go with that you mentioned something about you you know changing up the sales page in there and changing up everything did you look at the data when you're doing this or did you just kind of go on a whim and try to do different things and see how that went a combination of everything so um i surveyed my list i guess it was about two years ago and asked them sort of where do they feel where do they have problems what's the greatest well first of all when people join my list they're asked to fill out a survey Mm -hmm. i can use that for various types of information but then i specifically asked them like what are you frustrated by what do you want to learn um and i hired a marketing writer to write up a sales page based on that okay he was like oh my god this is a gold mine Mm -hmm. and he used people's text in that text there yeah I've then since sort of rewritten and re-edited and rejiggered that page quite a bit in part just to sort of make it a little punchier, add a little bit more, not that I'm a graphic designer anyway, but like break it up a little more with some images Mm -hmm. um, and make it a little more customer-centric rather than my core-centric and also a little bit shorter. But it's always trying to concentrate on what have people told me, what have they gotten from the course, what are they trying to achieve, what, what do they want to do in the end? And um, I wish I could remember his name, but like the, the copywriting course with, uh, starts with an L, copywriting course with a, uh, with, with a K here. Oh, I I'll, I'll remember the name. I'll look it up. I highly, highly recommend it because they really say a lot of smart things and they have a forum where you can ask unlimited questions. And oh my God, I got a lot of great feedback there. Mm-hmm. And um, they helped me also to sort of tweak it and improve it. And they said, all right, you keep saying you're going to be more fluent with Python. That is not a desire that people have. Like no one wakes up in the morning and says, oh, if only I could be more fluent in Python. (laughs) Rather they say, I want to work on machine learning. I want to work on self-driving cars. Mm -hmm. I want to, you know, find people breaking into networks and on, on, and on. And so if you can really make it more tangible, 
uh, and more practical and connecting people's jobs. So I went through my survey of when people sign up for my mailing list and what do people do? Mm-hmm. And I found like 10 things that sounded super cool that people do. And I more or less described those in when you take this course, you'll be able to do X, Y, and Z. And I launched once since, like I launched one, one weekly Python exercise cohort since doing that. And I think the numbers went up a bit. It's sort of hard to compare apples to apples because I did change things around. Yeah. But they definitely felt felt better. Mm-hmm. Not gangbusters, but like better. Yeah, exactly. Well, it seems to me like the key throughout this whole conversation is to ask your people. And you're obviously doing a lot of service, which is great. And I think people need to do more of those um, because it's your audience that knows exactly what they want. And it's not necessarily what they need, but that is your job to kind of give them what they need afterwards, but just sell them on what they want so that you get them inside. Exactly. From all this that you learned through launching and having all these online courses, what is like the one biggest tip that you would give people? The biggest thing is, I mean, in addition to like being in touch with them, sort of asking them questions, it's also giving stuff away for free. Mm -hmm. People want, everyone has their own unique voice. Um, I definitely have my way of explaining things, whether it's in video or in text. And consistently people, when they sign up for my list, they say, I, I joined because I got your free email course. I saw your talks on YouTube. I saw your YouTube channel. You know, I heard you on a podcast somewhere like that. Mm-hmm. And they liked the way that I was explaining things. And so that sort of drew them into signing up. And that often then brings them into buying things as well. So don't hide your personality. Don't try to be robotic and professional, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, I just had like, and, and giving things away, people can try it out. So this, this Python for non-programmers course that I just launched a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So this is like, as the name implies, or it doesn't imply states, right? It's for people with no programming background. It's Fridays at 10 Eastern. And I sit in front of a screencast and we go over very, very basic things for an hour at a time. And people are eating it up. And they're like so excited by this. And not right away, but I'm guessing in a few months, some of those people will then buy some of the things I have because they know what to expect. They know what I'm going to be like. Mm-hmm. And so by giving away the free stuff, they're more likely to, to do the paid stuff as well. Mm. Excellent. Um, is there any limit to as what you offer uh, in the free stuff? Or do you just... Look, right, right now I have, was it like five email courses? So you'll get like, you know, things dripped out to you. I can't remember. I think it's every day mm-hmm. for between five days and two weeks, depending on the email course. And I have two free video courses. One, here's a funny story of like listening to what people have to say. So I knew I wanted to do a free course that would like attract people to my sign in my list. And I wasn't sure what to do. Literally the next morning, I went to a corporate client and someone there said, you know, Ruben, you know what you should do? There are all these terrible online sites for how to ace a Python interview mm-hmm. when you want to go get a job. Okay. You should do that and you'll be way better than that. I was like, that is what I'm going to do. <laughs> so I literally like the next day started recording and sure enough, I have a six hour free video course where I answer 50 Python questions and I've gotten like 1,200, 1,300 people to sign up for it wow. and people love it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if there's like a limit as to how much I'm going to produce that's free. I'm going to keep trying to produce things that are not going to make me money mm-hmm. that get the name out. Like you have to sort of pick the right niche that it's super hot and interesting to people. It'll bring them in as a hook. And then like, they'll say, Oh, but the, all this, all this other stuff, I want to buy that. Mm. But it has to be balanced. You know, I have to, I have to make a living at some point also. Obviously so, so you can't give away everything for free, <laughs> <laughs> especially but giving away a lot seems to be a, a useful strategy. Yeah. Uh, no, I think a lot of people say that you can't really give away enough free stuff, but it's, you know, 
a lot of people say that you should teach them what, and then you kind of sell them the how. I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, but, I like uh, that. Yeah. I like that. So it's, it's kind of a messy thing when you go into the free stuff. It's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And, you know, it doesn't really fit together, just like you would go on Google and search for things. But once you get into one of your courses, it's like, this is the structure. This is how you go through it. This is exactly how you need to do it. And that seems to be like something that people like to do when giving away stuff for free. Right. I mean, I know that there's clearly overlap, like in the Ace Python interviews course, mm-hmm. there's clearly overlap between the content there and the content I have in my paid courses. Exactly. But it's like such a small slice mm-hmm. that if they really want to go deeper and understand it better, they're going to have to buy yeah. the, the, the paid one. And, and I've seen people have, mm-hmm. people do. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's great. I had a great time interviewing you, Ruben. Uh, it's always great to catching up and uh, love seeing that you still killing it in the Python uh, niche, to be honest. <laughs> it's a such a you know specific niche that I can't even comprehend uh, how you can manage that, but uh, it's really cool. And I, I assume Python is huge on inside of the whole computer world. Crazy, crazy. Look, look I've been using Python since 1992 or so. Wow, is that and old? at that time, I know I'm, I'm old, I'm old. <laughs> I'm not saying you're old. <laughs> I'm saying that. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Sorry, it's okay. It's becoming increasingly old. <laughs> No, but like, it's funny that back then, if you wanted to learn Python, you read the manual page in the Unix system, and like, there was a small community of people, and I wasn't even a super active Python person then, but a friend of mine from college went off and joined the core development team, and everyone was like, oh, Python's a cool language. Fast forward, what, 25 years now, and it is the most popular language, or the second most popular language on Stack Overflow, the question and answer site. Mm. It's growing faster than other languages. It's insane. I never, ever, ever did I imagine it would be so popular. The only thing more popular maybe is like JavaScript. <laughs> yeah. Who wants to work in that, right? Um, so basically, <laughs> uh, so, so I feel like I've found this niche that is large, varied, interesting. And instead of being boring to just sort of stay inside of that ecosystem, I'm always learning new stuff and finding new uses for it. So it's, it's fun and interesting for me as well. Hmm. Yeah. Well, if anybody wants to learn Python, obviously they got to look up you. So where can they find you and look you up? So my main website is at learner.co.il. That's L-E-R-N-E-R dot C-O dot I-L. And from there, there are links to my blog, to, to my various courses, both paid and free, to my mailing list. You can also check me out on Twitter. I'm at Reuven M. Lerner. That's R-E-U-V-E-N-M-L-E-R-N-E-R. Uh, and I would love to hear from anyone on the show. If you guys are launching and want to hear more war stories or like th- th- things that you should not do that I've learned in the hard way, I'd be delighted to share. Excellent. We'll put everything up in the show notes so make sure that people can uh, click through and uh, find, uh, find everything. Thank you once again, Ruben. Ken, what a pleasure. Awesome. Uh, thanks to everybody who's listening and we'll catch up next week. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Oh My God, I'm Launching podcast. Now, if you like this episode, I would really appreciate if you left a review over on iTunes. And secondly, head on over to Instagram and connect with me at Ken Westgar. That's K-E-N-W-E-S-T-G-A-A-R-D. And drop me a DM and tell me all about your launch. And I'll catch you in the next episode.